From iHeartMedia, this is Missing in Alaska, the story of two congressmen who vanished in 1972, and my quest to figure out what happened to them. I'm your host, John Walzak. At the end of every episode, I assign what some lovingly call homework, ways you can help move this story forward. And guess what? You have. I've heard from so many of you, and I really appreciate your help. In episode two, I asked you to help me find the ham radio operators who heard a mysterious transmission that allegedly came from the Begich Boggs plane the day it disappeared. I knew that two of the ham operators were dead, but I wasn't sure about the other four. Then I started to hear from you, our listeners. One person who emailed us was Ann Shepard of Abingdon, Maryland. Anne did some sleuthing and figured out that one of the hams, Ronald Crawford, was actually Donald Crawford. Newspapers misreported his name in 1972. Thanks to Anne, our assistant producer, Chris Brown, was able to speak with Don's son, Bain, who clearly remembers the incident. He said his father heard the alleged pilot say the plane was, quote, sliding. After Anne, leads continued to flow in, including one from Wyoming where a couple heard my call for help. They told me they knew a man named Joe Tatum. He lived in an assisted living facility. He might be the Joe Tatum, one of the hams who heard the mystery transmission. They called him. Turns out he is the Joe Tatum, the last person alive who heard the transmission. That's me. Did they find the plane? (laughs) Tatum is 83. He lives in Evanston, Wyoming. Can you tell me, what did you hear? I heard a, play, a pilot in a plane wanting help. And what did, he, what did he say? Do you remember what he said? He said he's approximately 130 miles southwest of Juneau, Alaska. And I made, I made a map and had everything backwards because I did not know that uh, they landed. Anything about Alaska. I just picked it up on the radio and went from there. And did you actually speak with him or did you just hear the transmission? We heard the transmission. But you didn't have a chance to directly speak with him? No, I didn't. Uh, He's somewhere 130 miles from Juneau, Alaska, in the air. And did he say anything else? Did he did he say the plane was in distress? Yep, he said that uh, he didn't say the plane was in distress. He said he was approximately 130 miles southwest of Juneau, and that uh, they went down and hit hit the rocks, and uh, he had three casualties, and they uh, <laughs> they said the plane was slipping. That's all I heard. And then we lost it. Do you remember about how long uh, you heard these transmissions for? Was it a few minutes? Was it was it several times over the course of an hour? It was uh, probably about five minutes all total. Uh, time hearing him, trying to talk to him, and the plane going down. So you heard him while he was in the air, and then you say after he crashed? 
he evidently after he crashes because we heard I heard him in the air first and he when he said he was probably 130 miles southwest of Juno and the next the next thing I knew he said the plane had had hit the rocks and he was uh, had three casualties and that's all we can tell you. Did you get a name? No, he he said to me he had three he had uh, uh, passengers and he had three casualties. And did, he didn't give no name, no name or nothing like that. All we all I heard was just stress on the radio. Did you hear any tail number? Nope. And so I found your name in an old newspaper article. And as far as I could tell, um, there were, I think, four to five other men who heard this transmission. Um, do you mind if I pass their names by you and, and you tell me if you remember any of them? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Al Miller. If you, if you find that plane, I'd like to know it. <laughs> Absolutely, sir. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, Al Miller. Uh I'm not familiar. Uh, Victor Parker. Roy Harris. See, most of these guys on the radio then was all under false pretense. They, they didn't give their regular name. And we didn't know who was who until we, most of us may have met in the pilot in that plane. When you say under false pretense, you mean just because people didn't have official licenses? Yes. Well, I, I wasn't a true ham operator. I had I had a CB radio strapped down to where I could talk to just about anybody I wanted to. So when you picked up this transmission, did you pick it up on a ham radio or on a CB radio? I picked it up on my ham receiver. And uh, most of it was heard on a CB radio. Gotcha. So, so just to be clear, you you picked it up on on a ham receiver, though. Yes. Um, and then, so you know, obviously you know more about radio than me, but you you picked it up on the ham and a CB radio, or just on the ham. He he, I had it on I had it on both. And the thing about it is, uh, he. Uh, must have had Channel Nine in his radio in that plane because we had we heard him plain and clear. Hmm. And so, um, do you remember any other details about what he said? I've slept since. And so you said that you made a map. Um, was that just you pulled out a map of Alaska and you and you were looking? No, I didn't pull out a map of Alaska. I sat down and dragged me a piece of paper on a piece of paper where he was proxily met and where he was going. And I had it backwards because I didn't know that Juno was on the lower end and, and not down on the where he was at I picked it all backwards and I was kind of dumbfounded over it I felt a little stupid after I learned that that, that 
Juno was way down here in the, next to our the United States, and Alaska was up up the other day. Was further north, yeah. Uh, Juno's pretty low. You're right. I think you know most people, unless you look at a map, you think Alaska and what you think of is the the northern part, and Juno's you know <laughs> all the way further down. But um, so, so you know, you said that he he mentioned being. Did you say 120 or 130 miles southwest of Juno? I heard him say approximately 130 miles. 130, just to be clear. Yep. And um, did he give and you any? After, I'm sorry. After I got up there and, and realized I was stupid, <laughs> that everything was backwards, I uh, kind of realized that. He he wasn't where I thought he was because drawing a map backwards, they took the little maps I drawed. <laughs> the Air Force has got it somewhere up there. <laughs> and so the the map that you drew, did he give you any other directions or indication other than just saying he was 130 miles southwest of Juneau? No, he didn't have much time to give us anything. What did his what did he what did he sound like? What was his per did he sound upset? Was he angry? He, he he needed help. He needed help because you could tell his voice and everything that he was in trouble. And we lost him. Do you remember the last thing that you heard from him? I think when he said 130 miles southwest of Juneau, Alaska. And so after you heard this transmission, who did you contact? What happened afterward? He, he hit the rocks and the plane was slipping. He had three casualties. And did you, did you call the police or who did you contact? Uh, we, we called uh, Camp Beale, I think it was. They are based, and they said they had it all already. And the next morning they had us meet at the air base and get on a plane and fly like Anchorage. And what was that experience like? Just it was a plane ride I'd never had, and they they throwed the seats out of that big plane. They threw all the seats out of it, lightened it up, and made room for us to get in it. It was a fueling jet. That's what they used. And you said the the other men that flew up with you to Alaska, did you know any of them, or were they all new to you? I think Swamp Fox, I think, was one of them with us. And I knew, I knew, I knew of him because I talked to him several times. And when I when I when I went by Channel Nine, picked up the, the last little part of what was going on. Uh, Swarm Fox is the one I went to first, and uh, I think Don Crawford out of Marysville was one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and. Uh, Don is the type of person 
you better be right because he don't want a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> he was he was he was on the radio. He he picked it up on Channel Nine and he hollered at me one because I'd already went by Channel Nine when I first picked it up, and then I was trying to get somebody to help me because <laughs> you can only hear so much on a radio. And the guy, he did need help. And I still think he's between Juno and Ketchikan or somewhere down in there. And so when you went to Alaska, did they, were they just asking you a million questions or what was that process like in Alaska? We, we sat for 18 hours looking at pictures they'd taken already with the planes. Seeing if we recognize anything. Wait, they they had you look at pictures of of what? It was. We just went into an office type room and sat down and started looking and stuff. What were the pictures of? Most of them was shot from an airplane from the air jets, I guess, when they was trying so, to locate somebody. So they they had you that you and the other ham operators looking over photos that they had taken to see if you could spot the wreck. Yep. That seems kind of seems kind of odd. Do you, do you have any idea why they would ask you guys to do that in particular? Well, they were trying to get see if we recognize anything that we might have seen from the air from their pictures. And the thing about it is they. Uh, they took a lot of pictures. They did find, a, I think, another plane that had been lost several years before up there in the ice. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know exactly what type of there was, but they, I understood they did locate another plane, but it wasn't the one we were looking for. And you mentioned, you mentioned Don Crawford. Who was the first person that you mentioned? Swamp Fox was his handle. Swamp Fox. Do you remember his name? Uh, not offhand, I don't. I've slept since then. Do you, by any chance, do you have a diary or any records from 1972? No, I haven't. I had family problems and a divorce and remarried and everything else, and I... I have I've got a radio upstairs and attic it might work if I get the dust boat out of it. And when you heard this transmission, where in California, what city were you living in? Uh, I was living in Butte City, just out of Oroville, California. Wow. I had an antenna that I'd built and I talked all over the world with it. So after they talked, the Air Force interviewed you guys, what the what Major Stalker, who was leading the search command, said was that he, they all believed the ham operators, that you guys were telling the truth, but they thought that the transmission was likely a hoax. What what do you think about that? Well, they they, they, they tried telling me that, I, that, that it was hoax. It wasn't right. But the thing about it is, there was too many of us 
heard it and wonder wasn't all connected. There was one old man that was this. I think he lived in Olivehurst or somewhere over there. And he took and uh, he swore up and down that we was trying to try to pull a hoax. And then after he heard what went on up there, he wanted to know more about it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how I've still got I've still got part of that radio upstairs in the attic. Oh, really? You still... If I could, re- if I could, if I could record it backwards, I sure would for you. So you, you still have part of the the um, radio receiver that you used when you received the transmission? Oh, I talked from California to South Korea. I talked to uh, ships off the coast of uh, Alaska. I talked to ships and boats. Uh, they, uh, they was, uh, I, think, I think, out from Korea, North Korea, South Korea. At U.S. Pinocchio, it took a ship years ago. But I, if it's a hoax, I want to know why, where and why. Because what I heard was somebody in stress wanted help. Huh. Well, the the tower, the radio tower that you built, do you remember how tall it was or any details about it? That antenna I used? Yes, sir. was on top of a cedar tree, uh, probably 150 foot in the air. And and I apologize to ask this again, but when you first picked up the, the plane transmission, that was via the ham receiver? The... Uh, yeah, it was on the hand receiver, but it was on channel nine, which was CB channel. Interesting. Okay. I had a habit. In fact, a lot of CBers had the habit. Every time you decided to change channel, you'd go by channel nine and wait a few minutes, see if there was anybody wanting help, or maybe somebody ran out of gas, maybe somebody had a flat tire. I could. I, I could pick that up on the radio. Mm-hmm. I went I went by Channel 9. I think I, I probably come off of uh, 24 or some one of them higher other channels. I went by Channel 9, and I heard this pilot. He was, he was in stress. He was 130 miles southwest of Alaska, of Juneau. And he needed help. And I thought Juno was way up on the other end of Alaska. And I was wrong. Have you ever been interviewed by a journalist before about this? Nope. So almost 50 years later, this is the very first time you've ever been interviewed about this. I got a phone call here about a week ago. Wanting to know if I was a Joe Tatum that they were talking about on radio. You know, one of the things since we're airing the show is that we're asking people for help. And uh, I had one listener who helped me figure out that uh, it was Donald, not Ronald. So Don Crawford and um, and then a, a, another listener who found you. And which is which is amazing because I've, I've been looking for the longest time to try to speak to anybody. And like I said, oh, right. you're 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 the very last ham who's still alive. So. 
if you if you if you if you uh, got a call from a rancher, yeah, uh, the guy I work for, his son, mm-hmm. is the one that called me and wanted to know if I was the one they was talking about. Uh huh. And uh, I told him, yeah, I said I was there looking for that plane. And I want to find out if they found it. Well, how what what an experience. I, I'm really happy that I found you. I, I Like I said, you're the last one who is alive. And as far as I could tell, nobody ever recorded an interview with any of the others. And nobody recorded an interview with you. So it's a little little piece of history. And I'm, I'm glad I had a chance to talk with you. Is, is there anything else that you remember or any questions that you want to ask me? If you find out something, I want to know. Yes, sir. I will call you. I I, I, I I kind of thought, well, maybe they found something. Well, I'm, when they, I'm that, looking for that it. Kid, that kid called me wanting to know if I was the one from Alaska they were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, cool. Okay, uh, I, I appreciate it, Joe. I know, I know who 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 it was now. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, bye. You can reach us by phone at 1-833-MIA-TIPS. That's 1-833-642-8477. Again, 1-833-642-8477. Or you can reach us via email at tips at iheartmedia.com. That's tips, T-I-P-S, at iheartmedia.com. Ben Bolin is our executive producer. Paul Deccan is our supervising producer. Chris Brown is our assistant producer. Seth Nicholas Johnson is our producer. Sam Teagarden is our research assistant. And I'm your host and executive producer, John Walzak. You can find me on Twitter at, at John Walzak, J-O-N-W-A-L-C-Z-A-K. Special thanks to Ann Shepard and Joe Tatum. Thank you also to the couple in Wyoming who connected me with Joe. They declined to be named on the show. Missing in Alaska is a co-production of iHeartMedia and Greenfort Media. 